Hello and welcome to But Where Are You From, a podcast by Bicene, Britain's Eastern Southeast Asian Network. I'm your host, Charlie Wong, and today I've got with me some of my fellow co-founders, Viv Ke- Oh my God, I know I just called you Kylie. Okay. <laughs> Kylie Minogue. Today I have with me... Um, I'm Amy and yes, I'm looking forward. I've missed you guys, but I'm looking forward to chatting with you all. I've been on holiday, so good to be back. What's going on about your holiday, Amy? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> My name's Viv um, and I am from Manchester, in case anyone wants to know. <laughs> and finally... I'm Kylie. I'm also one of the co-founders, obviously, and I haven't been on the pod in a while. So hello, everybody. I'm also here for diversity reasons. I'm the only Scottish person on NBC. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my aunt counts too, but. (laughs) And we had Jamie um, a couple of weeks ago, so she is also Scottish, so improving the We're missing Welsh representation, though, aren't we? Yeah. And Northern Irish. Yeah. Yeah, we are, actually. We are. We need. To, we need to rectify that. Please, Any... if you are from Wales or Northern Ireland, please get in touch. If you've got something interesting to say, we'll get yeah. you on. Even I mean, Hung's um, Hung was on, and she's married a, a Welsh man, so her kids are Welsh as well. But we were talking about EC yeah. parenting, so mm-hmm. in this way, they were part of the podcast. My godchildren yes. are both Welsh, and I've just mentioned them. So, does that count? Yes. Warrington's close to Wales, like it's pretty close. Okay, we're lacking in Northern Irish representation then. <laughs> yeah, I can't help with that one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't think we've had anyone Northern Irish on before. I'm just trying to think. Does it have to be Northern Irish? Could it not just be Irish? Well, Britons. Oh, Ooh. be careful. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, if, if we if we had um, EC Irish representation, then we could get Lord Mayor Chu on. Um, I have messaged her before. Title. Yeah, I messaged mm. her before. She didn't reply. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again one time. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today we are going to talk about attending Chinese school. So all of us that are on the call today have attended Chinese school at some point in our lives. So let's just get right into it. So, um, well, interestingly, I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler, but Viv, where did you go to Chinese school and who also went to that Chinese school? I went to somewhere in Manchester um, in the gay village. I don't know the name of the actual institution, but I know that we might have gone to the same same one. Yes, we did. So I also don't know what it's called, but it is now um, a University of Manchester building and it's called mm. the Sheena, Sheena Simon or something like oh, that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I think it was so, called that back in the day, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I've no idea. I just knew it was Chinese school, though, to be honest. Yeah, just that place. So, yeah, yeah. Viv and I both went to the same school. Um, what about you, Callie and Amy? That's so funny that you've crossed paths before. I know. As, as Unknowingly. It's yeah. like fate brought us together eventually. time. <laughs> um, we would have been. So, Viv, you're like a school year older than me, but yeah. I started a year early. So, we could have actually been in the same class. Imagine. We, like, we, I mean, 
do you remember having a mixed ethnicity child that knew nothing in your class? Because that was well, I didn't me. make friends with anyone. Me and my sister, we were kind of like a bit outcasted for some reason. I think people thought it was weird that we were twins. So we didn't have any friends at Chinese school. So I wouldn't know. And I, and I don't really remember that much apart from a really horrible girl that was in our class. And that's it. But also, Viv, I assume that you would have taken Cantonese and Charlie, you would have taken Mandarin, ah, right? So you wouldn't you, have... No, you would think, wouldn't you? But that's oh, not really? what happened. Oh, okay, okay. So I was in a class where they spoke to you in Cantonese to teach you Mandarin, which was absolutely yeah. useless oh. because I didn't speak Cantonese or Mandarin. <laughs> so I literally understood nothing and it was awful. Um it wasn't a great experience, to be honest. I, I do remember learning Mandarin at some point as well and being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's funny because they, I mean, that was the same in my one where they clearly didn't really measure your level and put you in the appropriate class. So I also had a good friend of mine, we're still friends now, but she is Mauritian and she couldn't speak any Cantonese either. And it just baffled us a lot. I mean, I'm glad she was in our class because we became friends, but she couldn't do any of the reading out loud or anything like that. And it must have been so hard because obviously you get called on to read out in class quite a lot. And I remember, you know, in her textbook, she would write the phonetics of how to say it, but they didn't really properly put them in classes um, according to ability, which seems like a bit of an oversight. <laughs> think as well Chinese schools certainly when I went um, they were fairly new um, and the idea of arranging classes by age and ability was definitely dependent on where you went because when I went to Chinese school I remember being taught in primarily Cantonese um, and a lot of kids uh, of my sort of in my community in Glasgow are often taught Cantonese at home so although you may not be fluent you would probably understand roughly what the teacher was was saying and then if I remember if you really struggled then the teacher would explain in English but largely those lessons were um, Cantonese held and also um, to teach Cantonese and for me I did Chinese school when I was uh, probably seven six I started P1 in English school and I did P1 at Chinese school and I advanced according to that um, and I did Chinese school for about 11 years but I know that um, for the Chinese school that I went to you couldn't necessarily progress if you didn't have the ability so they they did more of a system like in Asia if you don't meet the marks then you don't progress whereas in here in in obviously uh, English school you just progress according to your to your age because there mm. are um, enough support and classes to facilitate different kids um, with mm. different abilities whereas at Chinese school it was very much you only had um, two classes or one class mm. for you know that that lesson so I did my Chinese school on a Saturday morning yeah that's the same that's what we had as well so um, to answer your question Charlie the first Chinese school I went to is actually just down the road from where I live now I still live where I grew up and um, I was really small I think I must be in around your age Carly that you mentioned around seven six or seven and the school that it was in it was clearly a 
say a regular English school Monday to Friday and they rented out the classrooms on the weekends to this Chinese school and um, I remember very clearly there being you know finger paints on the wall and ABCs and stuff and I remember the day that we realized I had to leave the school like it was because I was too big for the chairs <laughs> and my mum was like okay you can go to your sister's school now. So, <laughs> that's quite sweet like you know being in a very much school environment because the one I went to um the Glasgow Chinese school rented the Stowe College in Glasgow city centre which was a college for like computing if I remember correctly so we had these really big classrooms really tall ceilings it was about seven floors I remember the building being and it's now being repurposed for um, the art school and it was very strange to be you know a child going into essentially a big school and it was totally empty and it was very obvious that they just rented the rooms to conduct the classes and there was no there was no real life to it and no it was actually quite sterile almost. Yeah, that was the next school that I went to, my sister's school. So it was um, in Clapham. So I'm from London. And the next Chinese school I went to was in Clapham. So I was allowed to go to the same school as my older sister. And it was really nice because she had already, you know, been established there and knew her way around. Uh, but like you mentioned, Carly, the first class I was in, I think was just for anyone starting and you could only progress and so then you'd get on to the next class and you'd have so many varying ages like there were people mm. who were clearly older teenagers and yeah. there was me and my friends who were like 10 and 11 and it was very bizarre yeah yeah I remember that experience as well and like Harley it wasn't until you started explaining how like they just keep you back if you don't progress like it makes so much sense now because I remember seeing like this boy who was like in his teen teen years and I was really young and I was like this is so odd being in a room I felt really intimidated actually you know not being in the same um like around the same age as your your cohorts around you and then feeling quite uncomfortable by that like this this cool teenage boy sat next to you I was yeah. more intimidated by the teachers. We had a teacher who, um, if you bent too close to your paper, so if your head was too low down, <laughs> he'd pull your hair, he'd pull your ponytail. <gasps> that is abusive. <laughs> that is child abuse. <laughs> so bad. It would not fly in an English no. school. <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't. Oh. Also, I, I don't know about the Chinese schools you went to, but the one I went to was um, a kind of charity based. So the teachers weren't necessarily qualified teachers. They were individuals who had time to give up and who wanted to teach kids Cantonese. Um, and I remember some of the teachers that I had were just like... Um, you know, friendly older aunties in the community that had a Saturday morning to give and and would teach the kids. And some of them were legitimate teachers who had, you know, whether they had immigrated from Hong Kong or, or, or mainland China, they had come to teach. So there was quite a difference in as well um, the teaching styles and also the teaching level. Because I noticed that um, certainly when I was younger, being taught by an older auntie, there was less pressure and there was less um, the kind of strictness that's applied to, to the teaching and to the learning. So it was easier to digest the information. Whereas when, when I was being taught by an actual teacher, um, sometimes it would be a bit too complicated in terms of being too focused on the formalities of teaching and the language. And then, you know, it just kind of went above my head. So I think there's, there's definitely an advantage to both styles of teaching, but it, it definitely, I think it depends on 
each student and what they're more receptive to. Mm. I don't know whether ours were kind of now I'm kind of questioning everything to be honest because I'm Mm. like what I always just thought Chinese school was Chinese school but now I'm thinking was it always a University of Manchester building and they rented it like um Amy yeah I'm thinking (laughs) but I have no idea what the answer is but I think at least the teachers I remember they were very very strict and um I would say quite mean um I know one of them also worked in a chippy but um I well, a Chinese takeaway wasn't much mm. Um, but um, I don't know whether she was a qualified teacher or just a volunteer. Um, mm. but yeah, they were very strict and um, quite mean, and would like, like Amy said before, kind of call on you to read out. And I always felt like I got picked on because they knew I wouldn't know mm. how to do it and knew how wouldn't know how to read it. Um, but um, it's interesting, Amy, you said about your friend who's mixed ethnicity, or Mauritian, I don't know whether she's mixed ethnicity, but um, because I also used to write the phonetic of how to say it next to mm. it, and then just hope that as as I was reading, I would pronounce it semi-okay. Um, so, yeah, I did mm. that a lot too. I don't remember anything, you know, like, I, I must not have been there for very long, but all I remember was, like, having to memorise um, the the tests in the in the back of the book and you had to write like obviously downwards and backwards um like as like backwards in relation to English where you're writing um and like I just remember every single week not revising for those tests my mom getting annoyed at us because she would be like just learn and we just did not give a shit at all did you have to do tests every week um yes I think we did how old were you, um, Viv, when you started? Because I know Amy and Callie have just said like seven-ish, mm. but I started at four years old at Chinese school. I We started oh. from like five or six, I think. Yeah. Uh, but then I went to another one and then I joined that one that we went to like oh, together okay. later on. But I don't remember the years or anything or how long yeah. I was actually there for. I just remember like... So at the one it. at the one we went to, you generally had to be five to start because my sister, who is older than me, started at five, um, and I was really jealous that she got to go somewhere every Sunday. So I begged to go. Um, worst mistake of my life, and <laughs> I basically got let in at four. Um, and Ooh. obviously, I wasn't ready. I was. Can you read at young. four? Like, can you read English. words? <laughs> If you can recognise in English, then you can recognise yeah. in Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, primary one for me would have been five, six, seven. So probably maybe not as old as seven, but not as young as Charlie. I mean, not to flex. I was quite an advanced child. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally flexing yeah. there. <laughs> so I, I probably, I mean, I was obviously also one of the oldest in the class. So I was probably nearly five, um, but not quite five. Um, because my birthday mm. was in October so I think it went on school years but yeah I did start Jeez. very early I can't remember anything all I remember really is like really 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 vivid memories of like the the tuck station like yes, break yes. time <laughs> me and my sister one of us would run down to the tuck station and like everyone would be like pushing everyone in the queue yeah. and there'd be like space invaders and monster jelly sweets and that, that was like the highlight for us yeah <laughs> I used to eat rainbow drops every single oh, yeah. week and it, it was chaos, wasn't it? Like there yeah, was yeah. no formality to it. Literally, no. it was so packed and yeah. you just get pushed everywhere. It was a, it was awful, to be honest. It was but, so like, bad. All you yeah. wanted was your rainbow drops. So you <laughs> kind of <laughs> had to get to it. <laughs> of we course, it was puffed rice snacks. <laughs> any of that because we were in a college 
and mm -hmm. if you were too young you couldn't leave the building and there was mm. no shops well there was chinatown nearby but you'd have to cross a busy road so mm. if you forgot your lunch you forgot your lunch so you didn't have a oh. tuck shop where they sold like nope. sugary bits oh no nope, okay, because because they rented <laughs> they rented a college and it yeah. was it was a saturday so there was nobody you know in terms of regular school staff there was nobody there apart from the chinese school staff well in our school a... they literally just put the food on the table they just no, didn't have like, put the food well out. Yeah. Okay. not that i was aware of um but i did think you have to pay for it i, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. whether you had to yeah you had to like we had to change. pay what yeah, chinese school or the oh. snacks oh the snacks, the snacks. yeah oh. yeah you had to pay for it though for chinese school don't you Oh yeah. Mine, yeah, mine was expensive. Yeah. Mine went from, I think it was, um, now don't quote me on this, but it was about maybe £50 for, I, I don't know whether it was a year or whatever, but it started off quite affordable. And also mm. the textbooks that they gave the children, um, they were actually, although they would have been very like probably kindergarten level in Hong Kong, but for, you know, a, a diaspora, for a kid who doesn't who didn't grow up with seeing the Chinese language um, and not being able to really access that unless through TV um, it was comparative to to my experience but then I think a few years on they changed the textbooks which meant the fees for the classes uh, got higher so it became quite expensive actually I think it went to about 160 pound for a year um, or maybe a bit more um, and it was obviously my, myself and my brother and it's quite something to keep up and when mm. you know you don't really feel like you're actually getting um the education that you kind of need because it's, it's just too difficult then there is a feeling of like not not like cheated by it but you know it, it's very different when when um you kind of want that support in terms of education and you're not really getting it and obviously mm. it's only a couple of hours a Saturday morning once a week and you don't, you're not really able to contact your teachers out with those school hours so it becomes really hard to um you know catch up. Tommy I really admire you because for me I didn't care about the education at all to <laughs> me it was just like hanging out with my friends like I, I get the feeling, especially from talking with you guys and from the responses that we got from our IG story. So I put out a story asking for memories. It's really divided. Like loads of people had a great time. Someone said they made a lifelong friend and someone remembered getting cramped after writing the same character a hundred times and then going to McDonald's after. And for me, I didn't learn much. I didn't retain much information, but I went because my mates were there. And then obviously with especially what you've just mentioned, Charlie, um, there are obviously really bad experiences too. And with you as well, Viv, you're saying that mm. you there was someone in your class who was really mean. Um, yeah. so I don't know if you want to talk more about that. Yeah, like all I just I don't remember. She had this purple coat that she used to wear and like a scowl on her face. And she was just like ugly on the inside. Like the way mm. she would treat us was just really mean. And it was like me and my sister together as well. Cause I think me and my sister were weird. Like we used to like, I don't know, write in our notebooks, like random stuff. Like we just like pass messages to one another. We literally were so like just isolated with just us two. And I thank God I had her cause I would have felt so lonely. I might've made some friends, but I'm actually just so glad. Um, but all I associate Chinese school with is like going to dim sum, then dreading afterwards and then like pretending I had a stomach ache and then going there and then me and my sister not learning anything and then like couldn't wait for our parents to pick us up again and that was it. Yeah, <laughs> so mine, yeah mine was really similar so <laughs> we used to go to church in the morning, come home, mm. have some lunch and then it was like 
two or three hours of Chinese school and you know we used to do the whole thing I've got a stomach ache I can't go <laughs> um, you know I'm, I'm really ill all of a sudden can't, I literally cannot leave the house it's impossible um, but I mean my mum never ever fell for that because she's a nurse so it didn't matter <laughs> unless we were like throwing up we were going regardless um, but I was very similar so I didn't really have any friends there was this one person and I'm gonna say a name because in like some crazy universe I'm hoping she might listen to this and like imagine somehow because she was was the only person that was nice to me basically she was called Lisa Yip and I remember um there was another girl called Rachel who was tolerant of me um I wouldn't say she was nice to me (laughs) Lisa literally used to let me copy her work because she knew I couldn't do it and I mean Lisa if you're listening to this you were real one you know oh let's we need to reunite you two on this podcast looking for Lisa yep yeah that's (laughs) the next podcast but she was lovely and she she was probably the only thing that made Chinese school bearable because the teachers were really mean a lot of the children were very very mean and I didn't understand the thing and it just wasn't a pleasant experience for me Um, and I'm really glad to hear that some people did have a really nice experience Mm. because I'm glad that you know it's not across the board that everyone has a really awful experience but yeah Lisa if you're out there just let me know because I'd like (laughs) to buy you some dim sum and then say thank you. I hope we get to reunite you with Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a bit of like to narrow it down a bit. So I went to Chinese <laughs> probably from like 1995 <laughs> to 1999. Um, and it was the Manchester Sheena Simon yeah. School. So there can't be that many um, Lisa Yips in Manchester of our generation who also went to Chinese school at yeah. that place as well should we read some of the submissions yeah i mean one that's quite relevant to charlie what you've just spoken about is someone's written saying after harry potter 5 came out getting called mudblood by the four asian kids um, in brackets i'm mixed and mm-hmm. that's just heartbreaking to me um mm-hmm. because especially after you know you revealing your experiences charlie and um i didn't ex- i mean I think I'm one of those people who I probably, there probably were uh, mixed ethnicity kids in my school, but um, didn't stand out to me or wasn't something that I noticed. But also having a child who is mixed ethnicity and I want, I would like her to go to Chinese school. So that's something I want to be really mindful of because, you know, that gets me worried. But then at the same time, we're doing online Cantonese lessons via Zoom. Naturally, I've noticed that quite a few of the kids are mixed ethnicity. So I'm wondering, you know, um, maybe there there could be more people might send their kids to school who are mixed ethnicity, but we'll see. Uh, But it's something that I think it's something we need to know about and be conscious of because Mm. clearly it affects, it affected you quite a lot. Yeah, Yeah. I remember... um... Well, actually, I don't remember this. I, I did some background research for the podcast because I am an efficient podcaster. Um, so I asked my mum and dad at weekend about Chinese school. And um, my mum said, oh, yeah, I don't really remember. She said, the only thing I remember is my sister, Jessica, coming home kind of one of her first days after Chinese school. And um, my sister said, oh, mum, uh, they said I'm the half-caste child. What does that mean? Mm. And like, obviously now that's a very not a, not accepted term um but this teacher was just kind of 
singling my sister out for being mixed ethnicity um, and I did I, I, fa- I found that kind of a theme throughout I really felt like I was kind of picked on by the teachers because they knew I wouldn't be able to do it so they really wanted to kind of embarrass me and bring that and you know show all the other kids that I was stupid or whatever mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it um, that's so awful. It reminds me of my, my cousin who actually applied for the same school and he has a, a child of mixed ethnicity and um, she wasn't accepted. And I think the reason that was seduced is because she was mixed ethnicity. And I, and I, I wonder from like their experience of like mixed ethnicity children not getting help, the support that they needed in those schools, like whether that, that kind of like for them just like put out a blanket like no we're not accepting mixed ethnicity kids anymore and I'm not sure whether that still stands now because this is only probably about 10 years ago um Mm. but it makes me so angry that like they would gatekeep who can learn Cantonese like it's just you know when you think about yeah when I think about my children and like if I ever have children and they will most likely be mixed ethnicity like who who is to say they can't learn the language culture in which they grew up in like it's just so unfair it also makes me wonder about the lack of support on the other end so I remember having um two kids in my year quite consistently um and then they later I think they dropped out um but brother and sister mixed um white mixed Chinese and I remember that obviously they didn't have um as strong perhaps as a foundational Cantonese as some of the other students did that the teachers as a result, we'd probably ask them once or twice to speak up and then noticing that, you know, they really struggled, but they were still in the class, then didn't ask them to speak up. Mm-hmm. And I it now makes me wonder, like, they were obviously sensitive to the fact that the, the siblings were um, uncomfortable to that and also perhaps struggling a little bit. But because of that sort of acceptance and then almost like ignoring them to the sense of not wanting to embarrassing them, now it makes me wonder actually did they get the support they needed because although you kind of allow the student um you know saving them from that embarrassment actually that can also have a detrimental effect in not actually addressing the issue of of um lack of understanding so I think it it either way it seems like from just listening to what we were sharing there it goes either way of either teachers picking on mixed ethnicity students or almost allowing them to to just be there and not actually supporting them even more so than the students that are in the class yeah definitely just reading the um, submissions that we got from the IG there's one that says slight dread every Sunday especially over the inevitability of being asked to read out loud and forgetting the words still worry about not being able to read enough Chinese so it goes on to the question of did we actually learn anything (laughs) (laughs) no admit I I did and I am as much as I hate these words coming out of my mouth I am glad I went and the reason why I say this now let me let me sort of give you a quick overview of my experience Mm. it was definitely mixed I really enjoyed the first couple of years because I was young I had you know met other kids who were like me I also got a couple of awards but then when they changed the textbooks I started to lag behind and then when you're struggling you know to keep up with the curriculum and when you're as competitive as me (laughs) I'm not getting the you know some of the top marks then I'm not going to want to study and I also found it very difficult in making friends a lot of the kids in my classes were older than me who uh, just immigrated from Hong Kong so there was a cultural barrier 
and when I tried to like become friends with them there was definitely an attitude of well we're teenagers and you're a child we don't want to hang out and also you don't really get what we're talking about in Cantonese but then there's me on the other side trying to really make an effort in learning but because the other kids are primarily BBCs like me that maybe speak English or also have very different interests um, you know it's very difficult to maintain any form of substantial relationship at Chinese school although there were a few girls in my class who you know I was friendly with and I could talk to but we never really did hang out out with the the Saturday so did I learn anything I I have to admit I did given that my parents didn't have the um, time or the effort to teach me in in their own time um, so it was useful in learning the basics and useful in learning um, I guess recognizing words but I think I learned a lot more from watching television <laughs> and <laughs> so from just listening to music. Um, mm. I think it really just helps because, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because when you're watching television, it's a lot, you know, less high pressured. It's easy to digest, and mm. you know, cartoons. That's the best way to learn for <laughs> any child of it, for any language. So, I did learn quite a bit, but I think I learned a lot more just through mm. consuming popular media. I'm so glad that you had a good experience from it and it is one of my biggest regrets that I didn't see the benefits at the time of what it could have meant now like had I stuck it out and actually what do you get a certificate was it a GCSE what did you even get at the end of you it can, I don't even know a pot take... of gold <laughs> <laughs> so you can take um apply to do GCSEs A levels mm. and AS levels um mm-hmm. at the time for for when I studied anyway but um, I think the Chinese school that I went to, they had an internal kind of oh many awards recognition system, but mm. obviously it didn't it didn't really <laughs> never, mean anything. Never saw any of those outside. <laughs> no, yeah. So I mean, it's, um, GCSE yeah. would be there. If it makes you feel better, Viv, I'm pretty sure our Chinese school closed as a Chinese school before we kind of got to that level. So I'm mm. I think it, I don't know what age you stopped going, but I'm pretty sure it kind of just came to some demise I think there was some sort of scandal but I could be making that up Ooh, <laughs> interesting you say, your school sounds really bad especially well, as fuck yeah both of your experiences because we just all of a sudden stopped going one day um and maybe I should ask my parents why mm. we stopped going but I'm gonna I, get the Deeper. yeah how old are you Viv when you stopped roughly do you remember I really don't remember it must have been primary school like early primary school yeah so that would kind of line up so I wasn't in Chinese school when I went to high school so I, I think I was about nine or ten when I stopped going oh I see. Um, and I'm pretty sure something happened to stop us going Ooh, conspiracies yeah. there, there are actually some positive submissions isn't there like there's quite a lot of negative ones which like (laughs) I totally relate to but there's there's a lot of people who actually um said that they it was the first time I'd met EC of people of my age group not related to me I made a lifelong friend there yeah that's similar to me I think that was um, why I went was just um just to see my three other friends and um I remember I actually went to I think up to a levels in my whoa day English school so I went to quite late and the turning point for me was um I they taught Cantonese up to yeah I must have been 15 and then after that they teach Mandarin and then mm. I wish I had stayed but I wish my parents had made me keep going 
because I would have loved to have learned Mandarin by now. But I said, mm. no, I can't because I've already spent every Saturday uh, for mm. the past how many years um, going to Chinese school. So I begged my mum. I was going, please, please, please don't make me go. I don't want to go. Um, I need to study for my A-levels. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the same for me like it's so tricky to think like now I wish oh maybe if I stuck it out I could probably be somewhat fluent in in Mandarin but at the time what the only reason I could get out of Chinese school was that I uh, sat the GS GCSE I sat the AS level I think which is the one before A level and I just said to my mum, look, I really can't do any more. I've got my standard grades coming up, which is your SQ, uh, which is your GCHEs, which don't really mean anything. And I was like, oh, please let me let me get out of this. And then she said, no, do why don't you try a year of Mandarin? And I did that. And whilst I was interested in learning, of course, the, the students in my class all spoke Cantonese or they all spoke English. So you never really got to practice that Mandarin. And then after that year, I was saying to my mum, oh, do you know what? I've got my hires now. Oh, I need to focus on them to get into university. I can't, I can't possibly spend any other time not focusing on that. So I, I quit after that. But part of me does sort of think, feel like maybe I should have stuck it out. But to be honest, there was so much going on at the time. Mm, yeah. yeah. It's always in hindsight, isn't it? Like now, uh, Charlie and I have been like, talking about doing some lessons together in Manchester because we think that like I've it's still one of my biggest regrets and it's like well it's not too late like it's really not too late like I see when we did um shoes Cantonese live and there was a Canadian white woman on there who who learned Cantonese to help speak to her to speak to her Cantonese parents boyfriend boyfriend's parents and how she picked it up in a year just by immersing herself in learning Cantonese I'm like well if she can fucking do it then of course we can do it it's never too yeah. late you, just Viv, you also know a lot more than you give yourself credit for and yeah. you're probably aware um, I don't know <laughs> yeah. sometimes yeah mm, yeah perhaps no no I wouldn't say so I wouldn't say so I think so. I think so I think it's your um lack of confidence that makes you feel like you know a lot less it's all about the confidence yeah. do you think <laughs> yeah I think um I actually well I don't think I learned a lot but I think being immersed in a um kind of a arena where I was just surrounded by Chinese characters and you know even if I wasn't necessarily learning um mm. I did go on to study um Mandarin at University of Manchester ironic um when I was older and I, I started from beginner level because I thought, well, I didn't learn anything at Chinese school. But actually, I had quite a good understanding of what characters should and shouldn't look like. Yeah. So yeah. even if I couldn't tell you how to write them, I could tell you they were written incorrectly. Um, so I had a real advantage there um, in terms of that. And it definitely gave me kind of the basics of, you know, numbers, family members, come to eat, where's the toilet, that, those kind of things. Um, I definitely learned them so mm-hmm. I think I reluctantly say I am glad I went <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do think it gave me a good base in being surrounded by those things because I didn't watch um any Mandarin TV or listen to any Mandarin music other than my dad's music but I didn't really pay any interest in that and my dad was working in China a lot so he wasn't around to kind of speak to us in mm-hmm. um, Chinese either so I do think it had some benefits. And was that your degree then, Charlie, in Mandarin? Yeah, so I did a degree in Spanish and Chinese Mandarin. 
I still can't speak it though, so don't worry. <laughs> you also have been to China as well, and you know, just as you say, being immersed can make yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. So I also studied um, Mandarin in China. So I went to Beijing Yuyan Dashui, which is like Beijing Language and Culture <laughs> University. Um, I did. A, <laughs> I did an intensive course there for I think two months. Um, so it was like every single day, 8am till midday and then 2pm till 5pm, like solid classes. Wow. Um, wow. And I used to think 10 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> three hours on a Saturday morning was disgusting. Oh gosh. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it it was really, <laughs> yeah, um, it was really hardcore. Um, and I think actually um, that was really good because again it was a very immersive experience but I because I had that base in I think had I gone to Chinese school as a child and I knew Cantonese or at least had a basic understanding of Cantonese so I could understand what the teachers were saying I think I'd have probably done quite well um, at Chinese school because when I went to study in China I had a base level um, I wasn't fluent by any means but you know, I could follow sentences and things like that. So it just really helped to build on that rather than starting to build a whole house before you have no foundations. Oh, I love that phrase. <laughs> Does anyone have like that feeling of like competitiveness? Um, so like Gen- gently simmer, Jen- Jennifer, she submitted um, a story saying that she went to Cantonese class in Calmscott in Walthamstow every Sunday for about two to three years. And she was in the same class as her older brother and two older cousins. And at the end of each year, they do like the exams and like the top three peoples would be given certificates in an award ceremony with all the pupils and the parents. I actually do remember that now. And I was just like, fuck this, I'm never going to win. The first <laughs> First year, my brother and cousin came top three in the class. I had come fourth, so just missed out and cried. And then oh. made, but then made up for it in the following year by coming first. It's funny now, but when we were kids, we were always compared to our cousins, and there were always pe- pressure from our fat parents to get hundred percent in absolutely everything. Sad face. Mm. Did anyone feel that? Yeah, it's a very Chinese mentality (laughs) to get a hundred percent in absolutely everything like that I mean that also is exactly (laughs) the same as what I said earlier in terms of um getting those medals so I have I remember I got second place in primary one I got bronze so third place in primary two oh and then I think I I don't I don't know where these medals are by the way it doesn't surprise me that you've got all these (laughs) you sleep with them every night don't lie you kiss them before you go to bed (laughs) and then my certificates are framed on the wall but no and then after that I got nothing and yeah, I think that competitiveness can be, I don't know, a blessing in the sky is, but also maybe more of a curse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely resonate with the crying. <laughs> what were you yeah. like compared with your brother then? My brother? So yeah. my brother Kieran really struggled with his time at, at Chinese school. He, for a start, isn't um, he isn't very good with learning by rote which essentially is what a Mm. lot of Chinese school requires is is a memory game right Mm. and he wasn't very good academically at English school either so um, for him he went to Chinese school he started in primary one at English school and primary one at Chinese school he then did primary two at English school and stayed at primary one and he basically repeated each year so my mum was also having a really hard time getting him to revise and getting him to actually progress so I think by the time he was like in primary four primary five and he did you know five years of Chinese school um, she she let him off 
and I was devastated that he got off so easily. <laughs> you know, although I did some research because I was trying to Google my old school and find out if there was any information about it. And my friend who I went with did tell me that it moved somewhere else. It got closed down and moved somewhere. But the Chinese schools around now, particularly, I mean, where I live, because I was looking for my one, they do all kinds of different things. They do Chinese dancing, there's cookery classes, oh, yeah. they do like martial arts. And I was like, oh my gosh, Ooh. I mean, my daughter's going to have it made. <laughs> it's going to be loads of fun because I was a bit worried about sending her. She'd be like me, like, oh, hating my parents making me go. But I actually think it sounds great and I want to go too. They're definitely a lot better than when I went. I remember, mm. I think, at the end of the academic year, you know, if you were lucky and if the teacher was available, you got, like, a class on um, making sushi or Chinese dancing or calligraphy. But then it was never a consistent thing. And we certainly didn't have that, you know, after every lesson. So I think now, now that they have these extracurricular activities factored into the lessons, I think it makes it for a more rewarding experience because it's not just the fun aspect, but... It's another form of education where you're you're getting that cultural value, you know, where you're learning about um, the Chinese that you've learned in class, but applying that to a more um, well-rounded setting, I guess, where you learn about history and, and Chinese culture that way. Yeah, and when I was at university, um, we did a lot of kind of the extracurriculum classes. So I remember um, my teacher, Mingjie, she was she was amazing. Um, she did like a calligraphy class. She did a Tai Chi class and we were all kind of stood up doing Tai Chi. And it was really nice. And like you say, a nice way to learn that wasn't just kind of sitting, reading books, memorizing words. Um, and it was kind of fun to bring in that cultural aspect. So I think mm. if... Chinese schools kind of incorporate that now I think that's a, a good start to yeah given the experience that kind of I wonder whether we could go back as adults and like sit there like with the kids like well interesting so I obviously went to the University of Manchester and the building where Chinese school used to be is now a, a Union of Manchester building so I did my final exam for University of Manchester in that building and I was like wow. I haven't been here since I was like 10 and yeah. I've still remembered like the tiled walls. I don't know whether you remember them. It yeah. was kind of like a weird. It's like prison. Weird, yeah, <laughs> but like kind of like a swimming pool prison, like an empty yeah. swimming pool yeah. prison. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was kind of like a prison because we had these really mm. long corridors with just doors yeah, yeah. off, like the whole thing and like mm. massive brown doors, like mm. really heavy wooden doors. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I went in as an adult um, for my final exam. And my final exam was in the room where we used to have the tuck shop. And I was like, oh, mm. this is where I used to buy my rainbow rainbow. Didn't get any that day though, so just find it. I know what we're getting for you for your birthday. I don't I don't know that I'd like them now, to be oh. honest. Oh, Charlie. It's like sugary rice, isn't it? Which Yeah, that's true. I thought you were team rice. I'm 100% team rice, but maybe not rainbow drop rice. <laughs> I'm just like regular rice, you know? Fair Does enough. anyone used to go to Cumon? No, I've never heard of that, but I've heard so much. Oh my gosh. Know, I've never heard of that until um, in the past year on Instagram where I sort of really? found more yeah. EC folks. Never, never, don't know what that is. 
I don't know whether it is like a, something that came over from Japan, but it was like just basically extra math lessons and they made you do loads of tests. That's all I remember. And it was awful. But some, someone's basically said, um, I'm half Japanese and I went to a local Japanese high school during my summer holidays. When I wasn't there, I was enrolled at Qmon for Japanese and maths, which was traumatic. All of this happened in Singapore, by the way. So perhaps not relevant to what you wanted. But I, I do remember like the tra- like it was very traumatic having to do more maths outside of school because we were really bad, bad at it. So my mum just tried everything she just put like so much money into us trying to get better at maths but it never it never happened it never we never grasped it it was a great way for our parents to get us out of the house isn't it for like half a day like oh yeah you go off <laughs> yeah go to school what do my parents, parents would drop me off and then they would do their shop at the chinese supermarket oh so yeah they would, they would yeah. essentially be getting all the the stock and mm. I used to absolutely resent them because it meant that I couldn't attend like the odd Saturday fair where I could do face painting and all this stuff at my own, like at the English school. But I do remember fondly as well, like after lessons, I'd obviously get Chinese bakery. Uh, I would also, if my mum was late, I'd go to my uncle's restaurant, which was across the road, and I'd get myself a nice seal up fan, a roast duck um, rice platter. Oh, I remember that um, we, every time we went to Chinese school afterwards, my mum and dad would pick us up and we'd go to a restaurant in Chinatown, the New Hong Kong Chinese restaurant. It was always called the New Hong Kong Chinese restaurant, even though it wasn't new. Um, But we knew the owners really well. Um, I recently connected with um, the daughter who was older than me, but um, on Instagram, and it was it was so weird because, you know, I grew up with her, but I'd kind of lost touch with her for 20 years. But yeah, we used to go every weekend um, every Sunday after Chinese school and have dim sum. And that that was quite a fond memory, actually. You know, that was the nicer side of it. Afterwards, we get to eat really nice food and three meat rice. And on occasions, my dad would get us the roast duck and pancakes he used to ask us what we want every week and we'd say that every single time and he'd be like you can't have that dim sum and then on like very rare occasions he'd get us and I remember we used to eat like the egg tarts which I used to love then which I don't really like now so I don't know why I loved them at the time but um yeah we just used to eat the egg tarts and I used to scoop out the middle bit (laughs) yeah the middle bit's the best bit so if you scooped out the middle bit who would eat the actual pastry bit my dad Um. (laughs) anything I didn't eat just give it to my dad yeah I usually remember like the the food that I ate beforehand like I remember before going to Chinese school I tried duck's tongue for the first time in one of the the restaurants in um, Chinatown and I I remember it so vividly because my parents were explaining to us what it was and then like trying it being like oh my god I really like it and like telling all my white friends like the next on the Monday that we went and had duck's tongue over, over the weekend and it was like a almost like I tried this food and it was really different from what you eat and I was actually really like yeah I loved it anyone mm. tried duck's tongue before no I haven't actually they're like they come in like a bowl of like it's almost like um soury um spicy like white vinegary type of like thing and then um, they're all like really tiny duck's tongues so it's actually quite grotesque if you think about it how do you actually i'm not going to ask that because vegetarians might be listening so <laughs> how do you eat Very it friendly too. no i wasn't going to ask how you eat it I, I'm, I'm not going to say it I'll oh how do you chop off i mean one, one of the things that i used to love eating moving on from uh, that well i suppose <laughs> it's not moving on that much but chicken feet i used to love chicken feet and still now love chicken feet. Do. Yeah. yeah i still do 
Can't wait for the time we can go for dim sum together. Well, not long. Not long. Wait, is it not next weekend? Is are we doing that? Is that that part of the plan? Next weekend. Why not? Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, all the Basine gang will be in London uh, Mm -hmm. the weekend this has gone out. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. Okay, so we're probably in London right now then. Well, I've left already. Okay. Yesterday. The day before yesterday oh it was oh. such a great time wasn't it didn't you love it <laughs> yeah it was so nice to meet everyone <laughs> <laughs> like, especially my aunt flew all the way from senegal we ate I so came much all the way from glasgow which is a real yeah. occasion yeah exactly yeah. exactly i came from manchester messed up my train tickets had to refund them buy them again oh, but it's okay oh. you were you were a couple oh, of minutes late but uh, you know you were on time don't worry about it <laughs> yeah carly you the were so, was so late like, <laughs> i couldn't help it you. i was i was just stuck you know going around the exhibitions yesterday before meeting Getting you lost in the art <laughs> um okay so kind of tell end and kind of wrap up a bit does anyone have any like really standout um memories from um Chinese school because I'll give you mine well it's not actually my memory so I like I say I said I asked my mum and dad about Chinese school and my mum said she didn't really remember much but she did say one thing um she said that she was she came come to pick us up um one of the weekends and I don't know whether she always picked us up because um I, I feel like it was after my dad, but um, she pick us, picked us up this weekend. And obviously my mum is white British um, and was stood there talking to someone, a parent who was a parent of my sister's friend. And she'd said something like, oh, it's, you know, the Mandarin and everyone speaking Mandarin is so loud. And then the woman kind of, my mum said she kind of turned around and she hissed and she was like, that's not Mandarin. She was like, that's hacker, they're fish women or something like that so mm. I don't know what that what? means and whether it's really derogatory so I thought with my hacker friends here you may be able to shed some light on that Carly go <laughs> no pressure Carly. Carly. go Carly hacker the floor is Carly's I think, oh dear um I think there's always in a way bound to be uh prejudice amongst communities in well, in, in, in Hong Kong and, and also in mainland China, um, especially when it comes to, I don't know whether you would call Hakka, Hakka is not an ethnic group. It's more, I would say, probably, oh, I don't know what I would, I would term mm. that, but it's, it's not an ethnic group because um, predominantly in China, it's Han Chinese, right? So Hakka people are Han Chinese. Um, so I think it's more to do with the community rivalry and that's, unfortunately um something that i've noticed too in in my own um acquaintances and and relatives etc that there is a difference between oh well you know your haka your um uh, what's the word there, there's a there's a term in haka that I, I i can't quite translate in cantonese but you know a difference with boat people as well you know there i think there is sort of rivalry and i and i wonder if that all comes from the need for um you know having this security and identifying who is part of your group and who isn't um so i i mean i i i I don't know whether that's um i don't know if that helps charlie but i think it's something (laughs) that i've noticed amongst the older generation and it comes from probably village rivalry as well and rivalry over rights to land and um you know 
sort of sort of that. Yeah. No, Did you say it in English to your mum? Yeah, well, she kind of said it in Chinese because my mum wouldn't have yeah. had a clue what she was saying. But yeah, <laughs> she just said she said it like really venomous, venomously. Um, so, and she didn't know what it meant, but kind of probably just laughed along thinking, mm. I don't know what you're talking about here. But yeah, but that's interesting. Um, so did anyone have any kind of standout memories, anything that stuck with you? I, I do have one and it's not necessarily like Chinese school related in that it wasn't to do with any of the lessons. But for some reason, one year there was a trip arranged to the Burrow Collection, which is a small museum here in Glasgow that covers um, more sort of historic objects from like the Renaissance medieval period. And anyway, it was a museum that I'd never been before. Um, and, you know, to have a, a trip organized by Chinese school that took me to a museum, hooray. So that was one of the best, <laughs> most, yeah, memorable moments. From... So your memory from Chinese school was when you weren't in Chinese school, you were somewhere else. <laughs> Essentially, it's when Chinese school took me to an art museum. Oh, That's really great. Yeah, I think there were quite a few trips arranged by my Chinese school to go but my parents being my parents they didn't let me go <laughs> I just yeah, heard yeah. about them uh, yeah my parents didn't like spending money they're very frugal so if it's something extra they'll be like no and they'll be like <laughs> Madame Two Swords and things like that but I never got to go but my memory my main memory of Chinese school is because it was such an incredibly boring building with nothing there to entertain anyone. They didn't really put anything on to sort of amuse the kids. I mean, understandably, um, you're just there to learn Chinese. So my memories of Chinese school is every week, me and my three other friends, um, hi, Christine, Julie, and Cindy. Um, Aww. Aww. We would, I know, we would, this is for years. We did this for years. We would walk around around the Chinese school. So there would be the main building and you, all you could do was walk around it. And that's what we did for years. And we would talk a lot. And I think that's how we really got to know each other and became close. And um, you know what, we were, so obsessed with each other we actually used to write letters to each other when we weren't at Chinese school we post each other that's so sweet <laughs> that is so sweet are you still mates now then yeah yeah we're still mates now yeah and Aww. um they all have uh, apart from Cindy they all have kids as well so yeah. we're like we're gonna send our kids to Chinese school and, yeah. and they can be friends too um, oh my goodness that's so lovely it's really nice so I'm glad the the main reason the two main reasons I'm glad I went to Chinese school is that I did manage to make good friends otherwise mm -hmm. I wouldn't have survived there and second is when I went to live in Japan I was able to recognize some of the kanji mm -hmm. and that was like that helped a lot with living out there so those are the two main things and I'm glad I'm glad to have had you know um that connection I guess to my language and a tiny bit of ability that it mm. gave me I think that's that's another thing just when you mentioned chatting like I didn't realize actually how important it was that coming across other for me anyway Chinese kids who watched the same tv shows that none of my white friends understood or they ate the same mm. things or you know they they watched the same cartoons and that that was a huge um uh, contributing factor to to helping me understand my heritage because it meant that actually what I enjoy is enjoyed by other kids too I feel like there's a really good opportunity to to create a new generation of Chinese school where it's way more inclusive and actually takes into consideration other people's ethnicities and it's not just Cantonese like full Cantonese 
You could people. do a BC in language and heritage and culture school. Yeah, yeah BC a school. whole EC school. <gasps> and it'll be like X-Men, like the <laughs> X-Men school. You can stay there. And Does like, that mean people have to be approached? Like, is that not the Yeah, you have to be chosen. Inclusive, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but everyone is invited, but we're all special. Okay, we need to think this through. I think I'm not eating my lunch. special. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not eating my lunch, so I'm just talking shit now. <laughs> but when you think about it, lots of, say, second-generation parents like me will be more conscious of, you know being across of what's in your child's education and what's in the curriculum and Mm -hmm. wanting your child to, you know, I don't want to just get rid of her. I do actually want her to enjoy it, which I think maybe my parents being so busy and, you you know, um, putting all their trust in the school and not really thinking about it. Whereas I think now that we have experienced it and particularly myself, now I know what it is that I want to look out for and what I want for my daughter so yeah fingers crossed and as I've already seen it seems like a lot of people are on board with creating a more enjoyable atmosphere I don't know about being inclusive or being conscious of kids who are say mixed ethnicity or don't have that language ability but it's something where if um, and I'm sure my daughter won't have as good as language ability because my language ability is awful um i'd want to make sure that her teachers are aware and are looking after her in that way so fingers crossed Mm -hmm. it will be better with time yeah Mm. and i would hope there's just kind of more options nowadays and you know more um general acceptance and desire i guess to learn chinese school whereas learn Chinese sorry whereas obviously when I was younger there was one Chinese school in Manchester I don't think there was Mm. any others that you could pick from but I would hope nowadays there's a wider variety so that was our podcast today then anyone else got anything to add before we wrap up no take silence is golden yeah fabulous (laughs) 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 so (laughs) this was but where are you from a podcast by be seen britain's east and southeast asian network we were joined today by myself charlie amy fong cat cat i've just nearly called you carly minogue carly woo um and viv yao um you can find be seen on instagram um which is be s-e-a dot n and on twitter b-e-s-e-a underscore n um, if you've enjoyed the podcast today we would love it if you could spare us um some a donation you can do that by visiting our coffee page which is ko-fi.com forward slash be seen and also we are um, helping to coordinate the first ever ec heritage month in september so we would love it if you could sign our petition to get the government to recognize us as an official culture month and I think that's everything. And I just said all, that all so quickly because I was scared I was going to forget some of it. Yeah. Yeah, did it. It's like Thank reading you. out in Chinese schools, isn't it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Do it again. Yeah. Do it again, but better. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everyone. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.